So next Wednesday, October 23rd, we're going to bring it to you live. Multifamily Foundation Podcast is ready to launch. Imagine if you could not fail. If the foundation of your multifamily business had a blueprint that was built by the best. Well, this is what the Multifamily Foundation Podcast gives you. We're going to bring you actionable content with tools to strengthen your multifamily business. From finding deals to raising money to asset management, we will give you a formula for success. Now, this comes with entrepreneurship. It comes with lifestyle. It comes with building yourself so you're ready to take down whether it's a four unit or a $25 million deal. We're going to bring you the resources to make that happen. Are you ready to build your foundation? If you are, listen in. Let's do this. This is the Real Estate Foundation, your show for massive action with proven results. Raise your life and your legacy with real estate. So before we dive into the show, we wanted to say thank you so much to all the listeners out there. It's always great to have you dive in with us on all these great topics we were to have able to have. And if you want to hear more about us, go to yourusiholdings.com. You can find everything about us from projects we're working on, more about our team members, how we break it up, and all the resources we offer. And if you want to invest, learn more about investing with us there. Also, make sure to check out our multifamily meetup if you're local here in New Jersey. We run the New Jersey Multifamily Investment Meetup, and it happens to be every second Tuesday of the month uh, here in North Central Jersey. So if you're in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, make sure to check it out. And lastly, if you want to learn more about investing in apartment buildings, go to multifamilyfoundation.com. All right, check out the show. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Real Estate and Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, you just have Jason as Peely is out there doing everything real estate and handling the kiddos. But we are very excited for today's guest, Tim Malazzo from StackSource. Tim, thank you so much for being with us. Jason, thanks so much for having me on. Um, and I'm sure we'll be doing kid-related stuff later today as well with it being Halloween as we record this. I'm not sure when people will be listening, but uh, I'm sure you've got a couple little ones to dress up, don't you? I sure do. I have three kids. Yourself? Uh, I've also got, I've got two. Um, and five, so we'll be doing the trick-or-treating rounds and trying to prevent them from eating too much candy. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> but a little bit about Tim after I uh, broke the, uh, the communications of all things of, of how to get audio on this. Tim's luckily here from the tech space was helping us to get back online. But Tim comes from tech giants, Facebook and Google, where he helped expand B2B marketplaces and ad tech. Years ago, he interned at a top NYC real estate company before the current real estate tech wave. And he also comes from a family with history in real estate. So Tim, why don't we just dive back a little bit about that? How did you first get started in real, the real estate space? Sure. You know, my grandparents were actually real estate agents in New Jersey. Um, and um, my father then was a commercial real estate broker um, in New York City. Um, so that was a bit of a, of a deep dive into uh, the real estate space. I grew up around, um, you know, stories of crazy landlord tenant negotiations in the office sector in Manhattan. And um, I, I you know, have that background from my family. Um, I interned at a major real estate services company uh, when I was back in college while I was studying finance. Um, I never really thought real estate would be for me, uh, to be honest. And, and my dad, coming from a brokerage background, actually supported, hey, don't go be a real estate broker. You know, this is, this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. You're, you're not only in competition with the next brokerage down the street, but the guy at the desk next to you might be trying to steal your 
your leads and steal your deals. So, you know, he, he said, you know, go, go into something new, go into something that that's growing. And um, so I actually started my career in uh, for technology companies. I always loved technology and, and I didn't, I never thought that I would work in real estate um, until getting back in from a, a more technology enabled um, real estate angle. Oh, it's amazing. And so you talk about what you're doing now on a tech space and just with just the dynamic moving real estate industry. Where along the line did the stack source idea come from? What, what spawned the idea? Sure. So just really briefly um, for your listeners, SackSource is an online platform for commercial real estate financing. We're bringing transparency to finding who are the right lenders for a given property um, that you may not know about, um, connecting with them and easily getting loan quotes that you can compare and analyze and figure out uh, what ideal financing might look like for a property. Um, the way that I came up with the idea for StackSource was uh, a few years ago, I was actually attending with a couple of friends a real estate tech meetup. Um, I hadn't been around real estate for a few years at that point as I was working in advertising technology for, uh, for online players. And um, I figured, okay, let me go to this meetup and, and see what's happening for real estate technology. I didn't remember any technology in real estate from the time I was interning. It was, you know, ranking spreadsheets and printing pages and, you know, color coding them uh, back in a, a cubicle. Um, but I saw some really innovative real estate tech startups and I saw that um, data for real estate was becoming much more transparent. Um, there, there were some crowdfunding portals that were making their pitches uh, back a few years ago in 2015 um, that were starting to grow. Um, and that was really the first ever kind of real estate financial product that was brought online um, in some way. Uh, and that was inspiring to me to see um, advances in real estate data and real estate fintech um, where there were these new methods of, of attacking a very established old market of commercial real estate. Um, and I got this simple idea stuck in my brain for several months that, well, if a commercial real estate investor can now get one type of capital online, you know, maybe it's a pref equity slug from, from a crowdfunding portal. When is it going to be that a commercial real estate investor can connect with every source of capital online? So why not the banks, the credit unions? Why not connect with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac all through this online platform? Why do you have to know the guy in the suit that knows the other guy in the suit just to get the right loan? Uh, and that idea got stuck in my mind. Um, at that point, I wasn't a real estate finance expert. Um, so I started showing up to um, really big established like real estate conferences, like uh, the Commercial Real Estate Finance Council and the Mortgage Bankers Association in a suit and with a little notebook. And people thought I was probably just an entry level analyst asking dumb questions about real estate finance. Um, but I spent about six months meeting with real estate developers and, uh, and asking lenders dumb questions and showing up to these conferences until I understand a little bit more about real estate finance and why things were the same way they were in the mid 90s now in you know this was 2015 almost 2016 and um, it was compelling enough for me to say this is a huge market um, there seems like there's a lot of inefficiency there's so many lenders out there there's so much data um, somebody can build a platform for commercial real estate financing and make this so much easier to deal with and I've just got to do it that's amazing so you, you find a problem something that's just well into the past and you go out there and you source a solution. Now, did you focus more on the banking side or on the customer side where the inefficiencies are, or was it a combo of both? Yeah. Well, I actually started the platform by trying to focus on existing brokers. Um, so mortgage brokers in the space um, that 
don't really have their own technology expertise in-house. And we, we, the very first iteration of StackSource um, we started building in 2016 um, was trying to be a software package for commercial mortgage brokers. We actually adjusted that path um, to last year to focusing directly on bringing lenders and borrowers together on the right transactions uh, because we saw the opportunity to own the customer experience. Uh, we had done a few deals with brokers and you know, some of them just wanted it to be a back office system that makes their process more efficient. Others just wanted to find more lenders. Uh, but really, we were never getting to the end borrower and we never felt that we could help uh, in the way that we wanted to help. Um, so last year in 2017, we kind of launched, relaunched the platform um, directly for borrowers and lenders um, to be this matchmaking, transparent matchmaking platform. Um, and so that was um, mid last year when we got our first loan done where there was no outside broker involved. Amazing. And so looking at your borrowing pool, who are your ideal candidates that you feel are best sourced for this, uh, this resource? Sure. Well, now that we've done a couple dozen loans, um, over the last, um, over the last year plus, uh, we've seen, uh, we've seen a multifamily acquisition and refi, uh, and particularly in places where, um, Maybe agency is the best option, but maybe it's not. There might be a local bank or credit union or a, or a national bank that has an interest in a particular market and is lending aggressively. Um, but a, one borrower may not know all of these sources of capital and have the capacity to reach out to all of these separately and, uh, and to try to find out who has the best loan quotes. Um, we bring all of those capital sources to the table and in one simple process, you can get quotes from all of them. Um, so that's been a good fit for some, uh, for some small to mid market multifamily investors. We've also seen a lot of, um, a lot of action in the retail um, asset class. Um, so whether that's a triple net retail asset, um, that's, you know, a restaurant or a dollar store that is net, that is net leased um, from an investor. It's a very passive investment. Um, those investors may not have as many lending connections and we can, we can put those, those deals together very quickly. But we have touched all five major asset classes of commercial real estate with at least one loan within our first uh, couple dozen plus here. Is there a, so let's just take the borrower, call myself the borrower. Is there a product size or loan amount? So if I'm looking at a five family that's, that's sub a million dollars, is that right. a worse fit than maybe a property that's 100 units uh, plus a million dollars or where do I fit? Yeah, uh, the value that you get out of it might be different if you're working on a 750K deal uh, versus if you're working on you know something that's 10 times that size. Um, it probably doesn't make sense to use StackSource if you're looking for a loan, maybe less than half a million dollars, um, because at that point, um, you know, it's you're going to have to find a, a direct relationship with a. StackSource are not looking for the tiniest deals. Um, if you're working on a deal that's a little bit more substantial, closer to the one million dollar mark. Um, just finding some alternative sources of capital and getting different lenders than your direct relationships is going to be a value add. In that space, there's a lot of variation in the amortization period and in the interest rates that you can get from one bank versus another versus the credit union that you don't know about that actually lends in multifamily. Um, so we, we've seen a very wide spread um, between you know, getting 
five and a quarter percent interest rate versus getting a four and a half percent fixed. And that, that can save you a lot of money over a 10 year period if you're in that small range. Now, as you get to be closer to five or $10 million, there's probably not going to be like three quarters of an interest, three quarters of a point interest rate difference between the lenders. Uh, the, the spread is going to be a little bit tighter as far as what different lenders are going to come back. Um, so you're not going to necessarily look to say, Hey, I want to say, I want, I don't want to be at 5%. I want to be at 4%. We might be able to save you some on the rate. Um, but now you have all these different flavors of capital at, at an $8 million or a $10 million loan. You have life insurance companies that start to be interested in you as a borrower at that point and becoming a part of your portfolio. And they're cheaper than banks in many circumstances. Uh, you have CMBS and it does a conduit loan make sense um, for your property. If it's a value add, we have a whole nother class of lenders, which are debt funds. Um, there are more debt funds for commercial real estate today um, than there ever have been in the past. And they're all taking advantage of data across the market nationwide to try to find the best investments to invest in the best, you know, in the best part of the debt stack, whether that's making a senior loan, you know, a bridge loan for you, whether that's being a mezzanine lender, if you're trying to up your, uh, your leverage over, you know, what the bank is giving you, there are more lenders out there than ever before. Um, so it's going to depend a little bit on the type of deal that you're working on. Uh, but that's why we've gone out there to aggregate hundreds of commercial lenders and all of their loan programs. So we can algorithmically sweep through the market for you in the very seconds it takes to put in your loan request to know exactly what lenders are applying. Amazing. So talking from the borrower process, let's just assume million dollar loan, 30 unit multifamily property. Midwest. I come to StackSource site. What is the data I need to have available to, to get myself into the quotation process? Yeah. So if you're acquiring the property, um, it's the same type of data that you're going to be asking from the seller or the sales broker already to do your own underwriting. A lender is going to be underwriting on very similar data to you as the equity investor, right? So it's in-place financials, rent roll. Um, in addition to that, lenders typically want to know about your own your own financial strength and your track record. Um, so we, if you don't have one already, we'll work with the borrower to fill out a schedule of real estate owned. Um, typically from your accountant, you get uh, a personal financial statement that these things are very important to regional and local banks and credit unions that if they're looking to take you on as a customer and give you a great rate on a multifamily deal, they want to understand, am I getting a good customer here? It's not just about the loan. That's, that's what m most of our banks and credit unions care about. If you're talking about getting an agency loan and what we can do is help compare is an agency loan for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, superior to what you can get from the local bank uh, on a property by property basis. Um, then it's mostly the properties underwriting as long as you as the borrower kind of hit a few major points like your net worth is at least the loan amount. Each one of them have a minimum credit score. Um, so there's a, we have a digital process that answers all those questions where you kind of answer those questions on our platform. It creates a package that goes out to the lenders from our platform. Um, so on a, on a typical $1 million multifamily loan, you're just getting to the point where you may be eligible for agency financing. What we're going to try to do is make that process really easy to, uh, to apply for quotes from the banks, the credit unions, and the agency lenders. You line up all four quotes, you know, your, your Freddie quote, your Fannie quote, you know, your bank quotes and your, and your credit union quotes. And then you can see in plain English, you know, Here's my cash flow taking one loan versus the other. Here's my IRR taking, you know, uh, a Fannie versus a Freddie. 
Incredible. So really stack source. If I'm going through this direction, one of the major, major advantages is, is it open up opportunities across many different lending platforms and also really can bring up ideas that maybe you haven't thought out, whether it's the bond opportunity or the, uh, the debt side. Um, so the commercial debt side, or also maybe it's a credit union, which a lot of people don't think of in that sense. Maybe think of it in, a, in another way for their home or just um, a car or something or other, which is huge because you can line all these up and see apples for apples, what's going to give you the advantage. And lots of times, again, you want to find the property and find the right debt for it, not think of the debt and, and be pigeonholed into a typical type of debt when you're actually going out there to find a property. So I, I really appreciate that. Now, talking about starting a business, let's talk about starting StackSource. What has been some of the hurdles? Then we can keep this too. I'm sure I know starting a business can be uh, pages and, and novels long, but yeah, tell us about growth stories for anybody out there who's thinking about starting a business. Oh man, starting a business has been the biggest growth opportunity for me um, over the last two and a half years. And many of the lessons have come from falling on my face, uh, making a wrong hire, making a wrong strategy decision and needing to pivot. Um, basically, you know, re realizing that starting a business, even if you're starting it, even with a stack source or a technology platform, if you build it, customers don't just come as one thing. Um, connections and networking and being able to sell is this like, core and, and I think this is common between real estate investors, technology entrepreneurs, like being able to connect with people, share your vision and get buy-in. I mean, that is a core skill that translates across all areas of entrepreneurship. So whether you're doing a multifamily syndication and you're trying to get people to buy into the apartment complex that you're buying, or, you know, for me and trying to get in early investors in, a, in the company, get it early in employees that can be that can frankly make a lot more money, you know, still working at huge technology companies in the short term to, to work with me to build this technology platform. Every step of the way is trying to have the right vision that you can get other people to buy into. Um, I think I probably was a novice at that um, two and a half years ago, and I'm probably still not like Jeff Bezos, but um, I, I have come a long way in that. That's something that I've needed to learn on the fly is Every single day of being an entrepreneur, you're selling something to someone, even if it's just, hey, you know, this is my business. You don't need us right now, but remember that I'm, I'm really credible and we've got this really cool thing that you may need later. It's, it's always getting your message into somebody else's head and getting them to believe it. So I wasn't expecting to go this direction, but let's touch on it because it was a point you made about hiring wrong. So when you're starting a company, some of the first hires can be just massively important. With the lessons you've learned going forward, what do you look for in a hire today and what's some things that we can avoid making bad hires in the future? Yeah, so I read a, a really good book on hiring um, a few months ago and I think it's, it's called, um, and of course I'm gonna blank out on the name right as I need it on the podcast, um, but it's, so it yeah. it's, it's got like a subtitle on like, how to build like a, a winning team and, uh, and I'll get it to you. And maybe if you can link it to your, your podcast uh, guests afterward, but um, essentially don't skimp on your, your interviewing and hiring and uh, reference checking process. Um, there's, there's a certain way 
to approach interviews with people to get the right information out of them about, you know, what they've done in the past and how those trans those skills are going to translate in your organization. Um, and you don't want to short circuit and you also don't want to trust your gut. Uh, one of the interesting things in the book was, um, people that trust their gut when it comes to hiring, uh, maybe ignoring key data that would actually help them avoid mistakes. Um, so as much as possible, you want to have a scorecard for what is this, you know, what, what are the skills we need for this role? You know, for, for some roles, it's people skills for some, for some roles, it's more technical, but decide ahead of time, I'm going to score somebody one to 10 on these four categories. And I'm going to weight those categories this much and just stick to the data, like find out, is this person, you know, a five at selling? Is this person an eight at selling? Plug it in, have a formula, whatever that outcome is, like trust the numbers rather than trusting your gut. And over time, you'll have better hiring decisions. So I, I've become much more data-driven in hiring decisions. Uh, and I, I have made some mistakes that have led me to be more data-driven um, in hiring the right people. So that's, that's one key learning for me. How about you? Amazing. No, I, I, I absolutely enjoy that. Right. It's, uh, it's hiring fast and, uh, firing fast. I'm sorry, hiring slowly and firing fast. Right. And it's a hard thing to do, especially as you're starting a business because you want the people to work and want to give them the, the, the time to grow in for a role. But ideally the, the, the warning signs that pop up in the beginning generally don't change. And a lot of it comes that I've learned that it's not always on the person you hire. And it, for companies I've started in the past, it, it was a lot of times on me. If I'm not clear in the direction or the, the points that I want people to hit, then how can I expect them to succeed if they don't have metrics or don't have, don't have really the, the arena they need to be in? So if, if they're not understanding directly what the role involves, if I'm judging them on performance, but it's not a fair judgment of performance if I'm not clear in what they're actually supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another excellent point for sure. So talking about hiring where when you're building a company, the, the first hires are massively important. How did you choose what the first hires were going to be? What roles did you look to fill? Yeah. So, so we're building two things at StackSource really. Um, we're building a technology platform um, that makes the commercial loan origination process easier. Um, so there's a lot of math in there. There's a lot of um, like designing the platform to be, to be you know, user-friendly to everybody involved. So there's a lot of like technology building. But the other thing we're building, we're building a commercial financing team because at the end of the day, we're still not automating the full commercial financing process and we assign a capital advisor to every deal going through that um, can basically help borrowers from the beginning to the end and negotiate with lenders on their behalf and structure the deals. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of building a brokerage team, a financing brokerage team while also building a technology. Um, so, so we have a couple of different types of people that we're hiring for. Um, and, you know, software engineers have a very different scorecard um, than, you know, a, a capital advisor, someone that is a real estate finance deal maker and understands, you know, the people side of the real estate business, understands the metrics and understands looking at a market. Um, so we, we have very different scorecards for hiring people um, in one role versus another. Um, so I, I'm working on hiring people on both sides, but I knew that I didn't have the expertise in like software development. So I, I come from big technology companies, but I'm not a software engineer. Um, so one of my, you know, my first key hire was actually my co-founder. Um, so my co-founder, Nathan, is our CTO He's a software engineer. He was working at Google, uh, working on, you know, on the search product and, and coding for them. Uh, and he knows how to 
spot the right software engine in addition to coding. And he just, you know, is a badass when it comes to building technology, like he knows how to spot other people with those skills. Um, so with the early hires, it's not just about what they can do, but it's also about like them being the beginning of the culture of the company. It's about them, you know, being people that are going to interview and hire people as well. So, so the bar is really high for early hires at a company. Uh, the first, you know, the first five people you're working with, uh, are going to set the direction for the next 25 people in the company. If you get that big, if you or a hundred people in the company, if you get that big. Um, so they, they, you have to be good at what you do. You also need to be like setting the tone for the types of people that you're going to want to come in later on. Absolutely. Incredible, amazing points. And we really appreciate that. We usually wrap up the show with a few questions that are targeted strictly at real estate investments, but I'm going to, course transitions a little bit where the question is generally if you're a new real estate investor what is one step you would take today to actively start in your business um, where the direction can be is that if you are looking to you know change an industry or, or, or start a business that can have an impact what is one thing that you should do day one in starting that business um, you should do nothing you shouldn't even start the business until you talk to a lot of potential customers um, because you need to validate, even though I have this big idea about a product or a vision, um, talking to customers and getting their feedback is like step zero. It's before step one of starting a business. So unless you've started doing that, even before you start the company, um, you're not going to get to the right spot. So, so certainly in technology businesses, it's like, you know, for me coming from tech companies, if I wasn't talking to real estate finance people about the industry, you know, I would have had very wrong ideas about the way the products would be shaped, uh, even if I was right about the vision. Uh, so to get in the details and get in the weeds of really understanding something, uh, you know, from my experience, that's like, that's step zero. You have, that's, that's something, and, and that's something you continue doing forever. It's step zero, it's also step one, two, three, and four, is you continue to talk to customers about what they need before you actually build it. And do you, what is your big why for doing all of this that is StackSource? I, I think the reason that we're doing StackSource is we see a $3 trillion market of commercial real estate finance that absolutely must come online and somebody's going to do it. And we just, we have this conviction that the market's going to change even if without even getting into like how or how fast this market is going to change. Real estate financing is going to be easy. It's going to be transparent someday. Um, so just bringing that solution to bear is our why. It's like, if we can look back and say, you know, getting real estate financing is just clear and easy and I know I'm getting the best deal on my financing, like that's, that's success for Saxworth. Do you have some words that you live by or a company mantra? Um, we don't have a mantra. Um, we, that's a, that's a good question. We, yeah, um, we, we start out the week every, every week, um, talking about, you know, with the whole team talking about what we're trying to accomplish. And we always talk about like what our, what our customers are trying to accomplish, like with their deals. Um, because at the end of the day, this is about helping real estate investors, like maximize their returns by getting the best financing. So we, we start every Monday with like a pipeline meeting of like, okay, you know, which of our real estate investor clients are, are doing what deals and what are they trying to accomplish and how do we help them get there? Um, so that's not quite a mantra, but that's, that's the center of our thinking as we begin each week. 
No, it's hugely helpful because you, you've talked so much about customer focus, just the importance of the customer relationship from the front end of all sides of the business. So that, that's great. Thank you. So for people out there who are listening that would like to reach out for you or hear more about StackSource or use the StackSource product, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, um, StackSource.com should be able to get you to all of those things. So it's just simply StackSource.com, like a sourcing the capital stack is the way you can think of it. Um, and so there's a contact us um, on that page, or you can shoot me a direct email at Tim at StackSource.com. Uh, I'm, you know, personally checking that email box. Uh, but StackSource.com will get you in touch with our team. It'll show you our product. Um, and that's a great place to start. Incredible. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for telling us so much about StackSource, all the other lending options that we're not thinking about, how we can source all these easily on one platform, talking about starting a tech business, starting a business, first hires. It's been super helpful. I've gotten a ton of it. I know the listeners will get a ton of it. Thank you so much for your time. Jason, thanks so much for having me on and continuing to educate your base on all things real estate and what's going on in the market. So um, thanks and looking forward to meeting you in person at some point. Sounds great. We're both New Jerseyites. So we sure will. Have a great Absolutely. day. Mm -hmm.